Bible, will you please turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Today we will be anchoring on uh, verse 3. But for a context, let me read from chapter 4, verse 25. And end at 5, verse 3. Hear the word of God. In fact, I'll ask us to stand for the reading of God's word. Just like uh, in the time of Israel, in Nehemiah, they stood as the scrolls were being read. So let us stand for the reading of God's word. And I hope that we would continue this tradition as we. Go forth with the gospel. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 to chapter 5, verse 3. Hear the word of God, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his hand, with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Uh, Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity, all covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. This is the word of God. Praise be to him. May you take it as so please be seated. Our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, thank you for this privilege that we have as believers to gather together. Lord, Lord, even as we are worshiping the triune God under theme, Lord, cleanse the church. We cry out to you, O oh God, and say, cleanse our church as individuals, even as corporate members of one another. We are members one of another. No, Lord, apart from the, the aiding of your Holy Spirit, this is a future exercise. May your Holy Spirit convictors of sin. May the Holy Spirit move in such a powerful way that we are left apprehended and running to Christ. Give me spiritual energy, physical energy. Keep me from error and keep the, the hearers concentrating, forgetting about the world, forgetting about business, Forgetting about any other thing that does not have that does not have anything to do with Christ. But may we be concentrated and hear from you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, we are in the section of Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul has been talking about being imitators of God. And where 
when he was talking about being imitators of God as beloved children, we focused on the doctrine of adoption. Being adopted in Christ's church, in the family of God, as beloved children, and how we ought to conduct ourselves as children of God. The privileges of adoption and the perils of not being adopted was the sermon that we covered that a few weeks back. And last week we looked at what it means to walk in love, to walk in Christ's love, because Christ himself loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And we saw that Christ has done the work. So you must respond accordingly in how you should live your life. We should walk in love. Now, this theme of walking in love is very prevalent in this section of Paul's epistle. It even starts as far as chapter 4, where Paul shows us the distinction between a life that is given to sin and a life that is given to God. That those who are given to sin cannot walk in love and are not walking in love. And he shows the distinction of those who are in the household of faith and those who are outside the grace of God. And he says to you who are in the grace of God, who are, in, who are, who are children of God, there are things that you must put off. The life of a Christian is marked by a consistent putting off of the old self. We cannot say we are Christians if we are walking in darkness and loving darkness and giving ourselves to the works of darkness. We cannot say we are Christians. And so Paul is warning the Christians in Ephesus that this is not the way you should walk. And you should not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. In verse 30 of chapter 4, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. So he says, there are certain sins, there's a certain lifestyle that grieves the Holy Spirit of God. And he continues in this trajectory and theme and highlights some of the extra workings that grieve the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, he goes on to, as far as, as to say that those who are immoral, sexually immoral, impure, or covetous, have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. That is chapter 5, verse 5. So this is serious, friends. This is serious. The title of my sermon today is Things That Should Not Be Identified with Christians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. Very well then, let's break down the text as God enables us. Let's break down the text as God aids us. Chapter 3, verse, chapter 5, verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Now I want us to look at this text as if we are wearing a double lens of glasses. As if we all had eye problems of which we actually do have eye problems. We do not discern as we ought to sometimes. In the first lens, 
I want us to see that Paul is showing the opposite of what the Christian life is. In fact, he's showing what characterizes non-believers versus believers. In the second lens, I want us to look at this text in the contrast between what true love is and what love is I want us to see the difference between the true definition of love and false love. What is true and false love? We live in a world that loves to, to, to talk about love. Love, love, love. There are even songs about love said by this reggae artist, pop artist, hip hop artist, media. Movies, they tell you, tell you, this is true love. But the true love they portray falls short of God's love. It falls short of what God says is true love, as we will see in the text. Because the text actually shows us that true love is to put off sexual immorality, impurity. And covetousness. That is true love. It is not to put on as the world offers those things. In fact, the world, when they are talking about what love is, they put a man and a man in an advert kissing. Or maybe, let's say, the advertisement of cartoons. The cartoon is profane. The cartoon is emphasizing debauchery and sexual filth. And the world will say, that is loving. Radio. There are programs where the interviewer is interviewing people about how they cheated their spouses and whether they are sort of person who is in their, uh, who they are committing fornication with has met the standard of the spouse. That is what the world says is love. I want us to look at this text under three headings. First of all, things that sh Christians should not be identified with are immorality. That's the first one. Impurity. And being insatiable. Immorality, impurity, and insatiety. Let's start first with immorality. Look at how the Apostle Paul puts it. But sexual immorality. But sexual immorality. He starts with the but to denote a contrast, a contrast between the world and the church. Being loving and unloving. The word sexual immorality is poneia in the Greek and it appears about 25 times in the New Testament from which we get the word pornography which has a sense of selling off. But since pornography is not highlighted as much in the New Testament of the scriptures we are to conclude that porneia is any sort of sexual immorality, sexual activity which is outside the bounds or the legal bounds of marriage between a man and a woman. I think that has to be said. Between a man, marriage between a man and a woman. A man cannot marry a man, a woman cannot marry a woman. A woman cannot marry an animal. That is not marriage. You can't marry your brother, your biological brother or sister. And so, really, even before I get into this, there is a tendency that we have when we look at sexual immorality 
to want to have an overemphasis, to actually put it on a pedestal as the most grievous sin. But here I want us to I want to show you that the apostle Paul is going beyond just sexual immorality. Christians are to be holistic in their purity. Not only sexually, but in our minds. When it comes to things like malice, when it comes to things like jealousy, when it comes to things like covetousness, a hunger to want to amass incredible and godly amounts of wealth. Just greed. You just wants us to take the bull by the horns and so we must face these topics head on. The Bible emphasizes that sexual immorality encompasses a whole lot. Homosexuality, pedophilia, Rape, adultery, incest, bestiality, pornography. Sadly, some people would even say, well, pornography, well, you know, and all these other things, they are for educational purposes, so we can use it for that. But sadly, friends, this is pure filth. Ask God to free us from being bound by sexual immorality whereby we are able to view our sisters and our, and our brothers in the most purest sense because we have been freed from sexual immorality. Friends, sexual immorality can only be done away with by divine intervention. God himself. You cannot change your stripes. So many people, well, brother, I've changed. I've just quit. Bathsheba, 
of Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house. And the woman conceived and she said and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. Well, we'll know the rest of the, the narrative. David plotted the murder of Uriah the Hittite. He conspired so that Uriah will be in frontline battle. And it is recorded in first Second Samuel chapter eleven, verse seventeen, the last part, it says, Uriah the Hittite also died. Fast forward. Second Samuel chapter eleven, verse twenty-six. When the wife of Uriah heard that that Uriah had her husband was dead, she lamented over her husband. Even though she had cheated on her husband, she still lamented. How, how amusing. And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house. And she became his wife. And, and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. God sent Nathan, the prophet, to rebuke David, telling David a parable. So as to show the, the sin that David had done. Later on, we see in chapter 12 that the, the child dies. Friends, sexual immorality has far reaching consequences. We must never play with it. <laughs> it must not be our friend. We should not fraternize with the idea of sexual immorality, fornication. And do you know, do you want to know what fuels? This sexual immorality in a highly qualified world is that we watch these movies, we are, we are on these social media and see all sorts of sexual things and we become desensitized such that we are given to all sorts of lewd and undesirable things. And even, we are even at a place whereby we start even Have you seen what the world does? The world defends itself. Oh, because if one person is in sin, they'll definitely defend the other person who's in sin. There's no way they can go against So if someone is a lesbian or is given into, you know, just being immoral with many different people, they'll obviously defend the whole situation. They will obviously defend someone who is, you know, having sexual relations with a pedophile. So a pedophile having sexual relations with a kid. Okay, some say, well, let's take him to jail. But some say, ah, no, no. You know, it's okay. Let him do what he wants. But the church should be different. Paul says, this must not even be named among you. You must not be identified with such things. <clears throat> when your friends and relatives see you, and the way you live your life, and your associations, and the type of entertainment you love, and the people you spend your time with, and the things you emphasize, even on social media, sexual immorality, impurity, and insatiability should not even be named amongst you. That's what Paul is saying. That's what the Word of God is teaching. That there shouldn't be even a hint 
When I see the, 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 the life of brother so and so, I should be able to say, wow, what a godly man. When I see the life of sister so and so, I should be at a point where I say, there is no hint whatsoever that this woman is sensual. some sort of, you know, attention on herself so as to sexually arouse the sinful men and women out there. Or even your own brothers, your own sisters. And this is an appeal to sisters in this church. And all those who may be watching online, but friends, let us think about the next person when we dress, how we behave around them. You know that you can be subtly sexually suggestive. She's just impure. Even in your conversation, you can cleverly try to allude to something sexual. a lot of Christians are doing online. You look at the posts, social media, it's filthy. Unbecoming of the people of God. Unbecoming. And then, we also have a responsibility to sanctify our eyes.
best by the Spirit of God to get rid of those things. What things in your life should you cut out, friends, to see spiritual victory in Christ? What thing? Is it maybe the person in your checklist? Colossians chapter 3. This is a parallel passage where he's talking about putting on the new self. Listen to this in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Verse 6. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. God will punish sin. God detests sexual immorality. Young people, I want to say this to you. If you want to enjoy sexual encounters, get married. Get married. Don't spend all this well, you know, I can't afford. Oh no, I'm not finished school. Sin has no regard for that. And I'm not saying marriage will cure your last issues. But what I'm saying is that marriage is a means of grace by through which God can curb sexual immorality. Paul says, if you're burning with passion, what should you do? Marry. We live in times that, that are anti-marriage. Oh, you know, go to school. Ah, but you need to enjoy yourself a bit. You know? Go and party. Go and, when they say enjoy yourself, they're simply saying, go and waste yourself away so that by the time you're married you are weak to the bone and you cannot satisfy your spouse because you have been indulging in sexual sin that's what the world is saying and that's what the world says is love self-love self-love is sin when they say self-love, when they speak and say self-love, they say self-indulgence. Enjoy yourself sexually as much as you want. And they get into all sorts of filth. That's what, that's what self-love is.
Verse 3 of chapter 5 Ephesians. But sexual immorality and all impurity. This is what James Montgomery Boyce in his commentary on Ephesians has to say on impurity. He says, This word includes sexual sins. Firstly, but it also goes beyond it to embrace. Particular, particularly defining practices. So when Paul is talking about impurity here, this word in the Greek does not only speak about sexual immorality, it goes beyond and even goes as far as to suggest that there is a certain spiritual impurity about it. Ah, what's 
honor to God with the glory, great things he has done. The next thing you share, ah, you're smoking up in public. You are drinking with people who are not of the household of faith. You are in places that you should not even be. You know, there are places that Christians shouldn't even go. Do you know that? No matter how harmless you think they are, But let me give you another example. For example, you know this African culture whereby you are calling your brother or your sister's spouse as your spouse.
beauty of lifestyle. We can speak Christianese. We can even say the right things. Amen, hallelujah. But if our conduct is completely different to what we profess, then what shall people conclude? Purity of lifestyle. And I'm not saying do not joke, do not relax, do not enjoy being around your brothers and sisters. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying view this through the lens of the scriptures. Remember the double lens, the difference between true love and, and dream love, and also the difference between the life of the believer and the life of the unbeliever. And I bet you this right now. There are so many people you may know that are being destroyed here. And those people call themselves Christians. Paul says this book, this is not an example. There shouldn't be any questions about such and such a brother in this area. There should be things that are say, oh wow. I should that if you fall into that, I should sometimes be surprised to say. Wow! I mean, that is what, that's what the scripture is worried. He said it should not be your identification, your ID card. Should not be stamped sexual immorality. Those are high standards. Let us conclude our study. Things that Christians must not be identified with. The last one is covetousness, which is insatiability. I've named it insatiable. This is verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity, all covetousness, must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Now I want you to remember the context. And the people that Paul was writing, he was the ancient Greek world, which is very similar, or I would say is the twin brother of the world that we have. Exactly the same. There's no difference. The difference is that we have more sophisticated mechanisms, but it's still the same people doing the same thing. They had the temple of Diana where people would come and buy, purchase prostitutes in those times. So there was impurity, there was filth. He says, all covetousness must not be. Friends, if you look at all these three things that Paul is talking about, you link them back to the Ten Commandments, the law of God, which talks about adultery, which talks about, you know, do not be covetous. And covetousness is, you are insatiable. In other words, there's a sort of, you are not satisfied with whatever you have that God has given you such that you are given to all sorts of greed. And in order to amass those desires, you become impure and defiled. So in order for you to satisfy your discontentedness, and accumulate whatever it is that you want, you become defiled. You become covetous. You see Brother Doe with a latest Rolex watch. You want more. You even advance to try and murder him for it. Friends, this must not be named amongst us in the body of Christ. 
We must be different from the world. We must rejoice with those who rejoice. We must love those. We must mourn with those who mourn. We must celebrate people's achievements genuinely.
Jones coatings inseparability. This means, of course, avarice, love of money, love of money as money, love of money partly for itself and partly for what it can do for us. The things we can buy with money, the things we can procure with money. In fact, the love of all money can do and achieve. That is what Paul is condemning under the word covetousness. Much more And friends, you will ask me today, well, Brother Joe, what is the solution? After all that is said and done, when you have shouted at us, when you have blasted us, what should we do? And I'll say to you, the same solution that the unbeliever needs is the same solution that the Christian needs. The unbeliever who is outside of Christ must repent of immorality, impurity, and insatiability the same way. So should the believer. The believer who is a believer, who is saved by grace, who knows that they are Christian, but who is still holding on to immorality, impurity, and insensibility, should run to Christ. Turn with me to Mark 7 21 as I continue. Mark 7. In fact, let me read from verse 18. Mark 7. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters his heart, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, it is expelled. Thus he declares, he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a man, of a person, is what defiles him. For, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts. Okay? So where, where are evil thoughts manufactured? In a man. Sexual immorality. Your, your heart and your mind are manufactured evil. As, 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 as John Calvin said, the, the mind, the human, the human mind or the human heart is an idol factory. Theft, okay? Murder, all these are immoral and filthy. Adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and they defile us. Here's your answer from our Lord Jesus Christ. What do you do? Run to God. Call out to the Lord. Lord, help me from defilement, from covetousness, from sexual immorality, such that these things may not even be named amongst us here in this church and me in my own private life so that I may get a good measure of victory over sin. Do you want to be free, friend? Do you want to be free? Are you tired? Are you tired? Thank you. 